0: All right, Mark chapter 13 is where we're going to begin tonight. Mark chapter 13, Mark chapter 13, I'll tell you where in just a second. Mark chapter 13, it's Mark chapter 13, and as you should know, um, because we've talked about it, Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, And that marks the beginning of a new church year. It begins the season of Advent. And it begins what we're hoping to try to accomplish in all of 2024 is walking through the lectionary week by week, seeing whatever they present to us. We'll make something out of it and try to try to see what we can learn. Um, I like doing that because it's a challenge to me because I don't have any control over it, right? I look and it says... This is what you're going to study this Sunday, and then I have to do something with it. Even if I look at it and I'm like, I don't know what to do, then I have to do something. So I do like that part of it. It's a challenge, and I like the fact that it causes us to look at a lot of different things, right? That's always beneficial, and then we never know what's going to happen. But this coming Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and the gospel reading is Mark chapter 13, verses 33 to 37. You'll probably hear this again on Sunday. Mark chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. Everyone there? Mark 13, 33 through 37. We read these words. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is a man taking a far journey, who left his house, and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch." Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Obviously the word watch there is used frequently. And obviously there's a, a very simple point to be gained from this text. But it tells you that the first Sunday of Advent, the focus is on what on the first Sunday of Advent? The second coming. Not the first coming, the second coming. Right? That's what it's about. So, I, I, I on the podcast, I gave everyone a kind of a Bible study exercise to start working on. I've posted that, um, and I, hopefully people are working on it. But we're going to kind of take a, we're going to modify kind of what I gave as an assignment for everyone on the podcast, and we're going to do a little bit of the work on it tonight. So here's what I was thinking. When I've been looking at this reading for Sunday, and I've been looking at it, looking at it, I think we can agree that the fact that Jesus is going to return the second time, or we would refer to that as the second advent, right? The first advent is his first coming, the incarnation, born of a virgin in Bethlehem, right? The first advent, the second advent is the focus. And this text, and I don't want to take this text apart tonight, because if we do anything, we'll work on it Sunday. This text is I think we can agree, just just by a very simple reading, seems to tell us that there is a certain, can we say, attitude and action that should arise from the fact that Christ will return again. Because Christ will return, there should be a certain attitude and certain actions that should flow from it. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do a little bit of work. I'm going to do some of it. I don't know if we'll have time for you to jump into this, but start thinking. I want you to start thinking, because this is the assignment I gave people, to find passages that deal with the first coming, but we're not going to do that. Tonight, we're just going to look at passages that deal with the second coming that seem to indicate the attitude and action that we should possibly have or could have in light of the second coming of Christ. Because I think if we're honest, the second coming, we would all say we believe in it, right? We all believe that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. And we may not agree on how it's all going to play out. Not, there's no agreement on eschatology, right? But we can at least go with the Apostles' Creed that Christ will come to judge. The, he will return. And we believe that that return will be a physical return. He will actually return, right? And then there will be judgment. Now, we all know that, and sometimes I love to say that a lot of times in theology, things are far more theoretical than they are practical. We like to pretend they're practical, but the reality is, time and time again, they tend to be much more theoretical. And it's very difficult sometimes to take a concept, a theological concept, and move it from the theoretical to a practical where it truly has an impact on our lives. I can give you a good example of this, right? When we were studying the London Baptist Confession of Faith, if everyone remember how that study got so derailed, we started the first chapter of the London Baptist Confession of Faith. And we looked at what? Well, that first, for those who don't know, the first section of the London Baptist Confession of Faith is about the scriptures. And it uses all this exalted language about the Bible, right? It's the final authority. It's inspired. It's infallible. And all of this, Language, right? And everyone will say what to that language? Amen. Oh, yes. It's the word of God. It's infallible. It's amazing. It's great. But it's very difficult to get that theoretical concepts and have any practical impact on your life. So what I said is, wait, 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 wait. We're not going to sit here and pretend that we think all of this about the Bible if we don't actually do anything with it. So remember, I stopped in and taught the 12 methods of Bible study, right? Right? Because I'm like, wait, if we really believe this about the Bible, then it should have an impact on what? What we we actually do with it, right? It it should have an actual impact. If I really believe the Bible is all that, it is is spiritual meat, meat, it is spiritual milk, it is our food, it's our treasure, it's all of these wonderful things, well, then it should actually show up somehow in our life, right? And I think the reality is, is in theology, so many things are theoretical. It's so theoretical. It's hard for it to be practical. And what do you, Why do you think it's hard As you, for you and me sitting in the, me standing behind the pulpit tonight, you sitting in the pew, but even if I was sitting in the pew, why do you think it's difficult for all of us sometimes to get the theological things that are so theoretical to a practical reality? Why do you, what do you think is the... Difficulty from getting the uh, theoretical, philological truth to a practical reality in your life and my life. Why do you, what do you think is the reason it's so difficult for that to happen? We have a sinful nature. And what is our sinful nature's, what is the sinful nature's reaction to philological, theoretical uh, ideas? We don't care about it. That's great, right? Because our sinful nature is more focused on what? A theoretical, theological truth or the here and now? The here and now. Look, no matter how much we want to say it, this is true of you and this is true of me, right? Theology is great. It may be great to pursue it from a mental perspective. Some people love to study theology just as a mental exercise, right? They love it. They love the puzzle. They love putting it together. And they will... They will dedicate their life to it, but it doesn't really do much Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday for them. I don't really care. Like they love the puzzle, and here's the reason why: theological truths tend to focus on the spiritual, and our nature is is consumed with the material, the practical, the fleshly. So if we are honest, we walk by sight, not by faith. If we're even remotely honest, right? And then when we come to the season of Advent, the season of Advent is to, well, it starts off by saying, look to what? The second coming. Now, when we think about the first coming, what do we have a tendency to do with the first coming? Let's do this. Now, this is, this was not in the schedule. This was not planned. So this is free. You're, you get to benefit from this. Just grab, uh, everyone grab, uh, open up Matthew and open up Luke, right? Open up Matthew and open up Luke. Dude, this is not what I planned. The, 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 okay, everything just changed all of a sudden, all right? But that's okay, all right? This is not what I wanted to say. I want you to start skimming Matthew. Let's do this. Um, Sarah, you, hit, you take Luke. Stephen and Bobby, you work on Matthew. And I want you just skimming the passages that deal with the first coming of Christ and show me the... The text that could possibly indicate a negative reaction or attitude to the first coming, right? You're going to find some text there that would indicate a positive reaction. Look for anything that would indicate a negative. And it may be things that indicate, forget a negative. It may complete, you may find some things in there that indicate a complete nobody cares, okay? Nobody cares. So just skim, and if you see something like, "Well, this seems to indicate possibly not something positive," let me know what you find. Okay, Matthew one nineteen. Okay, is it good or bad? Okay, we think it's bad. Okay, then Joe. Okay, so uh, we we can we hear this now? Yeah, we can do a couple of things here with this, but let's look at it. We'll. Yeah, we go to yeah. This is the first coming, Matthew one eighteen, and that's what we want to look to right now. So now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise: when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, you could look at this in a positive light because he's trying to protect her. He's actually looking out for her, right? So, and some But on the other hand, what does it show? Joseph is thinking. Now I'm not. I don't. I don't want to condemn Joseph for this. So be, let let me be very careful here. This is not a condemnation of him because I don't know how what I would have done. I, yeah. But I know this. All he knows is she's pregnant. I didn't do it. And he's not thinking about this. Of oh, this is <laughs> This is a miraculous thing, right? This is the incarnation. This is a virgin birth. Like, no, no, no. He sees it from a material way. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not condemning Joseph for this. But I'm saying, once again, that is a lot like us, right? We see, What do we see? The here, the now, the material. We don't see the spiritual, right? I'm not condemning him for it. Please hear me. I'm not condemning him. Yeah, well, I, like I, for her protection, for everything, let, let's get, let's 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 get rid of this, right? Let's let's end this, right? Because of course he would have seen her being guilty of. Well, well, you could call it adultery because their, their being expoused was almost considered a marriage, right? That's why when we talk about divorce, we, we believe especially in Matthew when it talks about divorce, that's what it's referring to. It's referring to putting away someone who has committed adultery in the betrothal stage. That's what it's, we're referencing, but we won't get into all of that. But you can at least see, he just sees what? He doesn't, he's not thinking God, angels, <laughs> incarnation. Now you can't blame him. You can't blame him. But it, it just shows our natural reaction to anything is much more of a fleshly material way. And I think that's that's an that's a common reaction that one could have, right? So I think sometimes when it comes to the second coming, we or we can have kind of a reaction of okay, I mean, we know that, but do we really think it, right? I mean, I, I'm not I'm not I mean, come on. All of us are going to go to bed today with the thought that we're going to wake up tomorrow, right? And we're going to plan to do all. that. We're not thinking about tomorrow's it, All <laughs> right? We think of it. We we think about life's just going to continue on. We make our plans. We make our we have our hopes and our, and our, and we're not looking towards the second coming. We, we a more. I, I'm not condemning Joseph. I just think that that's a reality. All right. What else do we find that could possibly refer to a reaction to to this? Okay. All right. Right now, that's a more positive one, right? They're, they're asking where, oh, are you talking about Herod? Okay. Now, we can find the we can probably find the verse. Yeah, look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. I think this is really good. Matthew 2, 3. So we'll go to verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. That's a positive one. We don't want the positive one right now. And look at Herod. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. He's troubled. He's bothered by it. He's troubled, he's bothered by it. In other words, he has what? Not a positive reaction to the news, a negative reaction to the news. And what, what, what's, what's the thing leading to his negative reaction? Whoa, 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 yeah, 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 wait. Now, he may be looking at it more from a political standpoint, like, whoa, 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 we don't need someone coming along claiming to be a king. That could create trouble. Or he may be looking at it from a selfish perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. So he may be like, "Uh, no, 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 no. No one's coming after my position, right?" But I, I think there's a little bit of that in us as well, right? We hear, theoretically, we hear about Christ coming, but what are we more consumed with? Our own power, position, and and purpose, right? I mean, that's what we're. Are we not consumed with that? We all say Jesus is coming, but I'm going to worry about my power, my position my purpose, not his, right? I think we see a little bit of that and we see how it plays out, right? Verse 13. Yeah, and when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring the word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. All right, well, now, in now, that sense, there's a practical reaction, but it's not a positive one, right? Because Joseph, is Joseph thinking God, spiritual? Herod is thinking what? Fleshly, practical, earthly. I just want us to see that's how we typically handle theological realities. Any other negative ones? Any other negative ones here? Okay, verse 16. What do we have in verse 16? Yeah, that when Herod was, saw that he was mocked uh, of the wise man, he was exceedingly wroth, sent forth, slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise man. This is just all focused on what? Self, 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 self. I don't know, we have too much more there, but we get the, we get the basic, the idea, right? Okay, right? How about in Luke? okay all right i'm gonna put forth a couple of concepts here and see what we think you can tell me if you disagree all right um let's see here where i want to go with this all right there is a lot of positive i there's no question about it there's a lot of positive all right um see here, where do we want to go? All right. Um, See, where is the part where there was no room for them in the inn? Okay, all right, so chapter two, all right, so we, we'll just start reading kind of, we can get a basic idea here, chapter two, verse one, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and the taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, Now, what I wanna take from that, that idea of taxation and all of that, what I wanna take from that is, once again, this is just so important, Philological realities, theological truths, they exist in the midst of, practical everyday life right these theological concepts that we think about the scriptures being inspired of God and salvation and justification and the second coming and all of these things those are really theological ideas right but we take those theological ideas but when, where do they exist in the midst of everyday life as something as mundane as what taxation right and that that can be that can be a little overwhelming right Because what do we where do we live our life? Focused in on the on the mundane. And so the mundane can almost then keep from our mind this supernatural. Right, and it's very hard sometimes to not allow that to to. to. So I think th- there's just something I wanted to point out there. They all went to be taxed. Everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his expoused wife, being great with child. And so that it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in a swaddle, in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now let's stop right here. What I find interesting here is I know it doesn't explicitly say something negative, but I see a little bit of a negative, right? Because, and I think it's, it's, it's very realistic. She and Joseph are there, and they're in a manger. They're where? Yeah, I think they call it a stable manger, right? What's the exact word? Does it say the exact word? What verse? Oh, she laid him in a manger, right? I'm just looking for the exact words. Verse 7, is it use the word manger? I want to make sure. Yeah, okay. He's laid in a manger. Okay, so here's Joseph and Mary... And a manger, right? Because there's no room for them in the inn. Now here's now who's being who just was born. The eternal Son of God. This is the incarnation. This is the divine miracle of divine miracles, right? I, I would argue that no miracle, and from the entire Bible up to this point, can live up to this miracle. God just became flesh, and is dwelling among us. This is like beyond anything that we can comprehend. And who's present? Mary? Joseph? Maybe some animals are there. Maybe they're not. We don't know for sure because it doesn't name them, but it, it, it's in a place where you think it, maybe there's some animals, right? So maybe there's, maybe there's an animal walking around. We don't know. But the point is, where's everyone else? They don't even know. It's a very humble setting. It's a very lonely setting. It's very isolated. Like you look at the, that's why we create art about it and, and, and there's hymns written about it because it does create this kind of like, in the middle of the night, there's just this man and this woman, somewhat scandalous, right? A little bit scandalous is going, on. Wait, wait, did you hear that she got pregnant? Like, so there's probably questions there, but they're just, and they're there to pay taxes and they're alone, and so your your question is, where is everyone else? Because everyone should be here, right? Everyone. In fact, it's told in the Old Testament that he would be born in Bethlehem. Where is everyone? No, I can understand. that. I don't know the time, but it. So once again, I'm not there to condemn everyone, but it serves as kind of, a, of an interesting picture, right? Because as oh, just as that, we know Jesus is coming back, and sometimes though, where is everybody? Well, some people are going to be trying to get there, right? To kill some people, right? But the point is, the, um, it's just to me so very much like us. We're, we're, we're too preoccupied sometimes to even worry about the meaning of the second coming and how it applies to our life because we're worried about what? They're worried about paying their taxes. They're worried about waking up the next day and going to work. They're worried, and that's, not, that, that's us, right? I mean, we're all, we've all been there. Sometimes it's difficult to say, okay, Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, salvation, heaven, hell, God's glory, God's purpose, the second coming, all of these ideas. Those, are, those sometimes are, the- are theoretical, theological puzzles that we like to put together. But other than that, we wake up the next day and we're like, Let's go live our life. And we, we have to live our life, right? I mean, because so, if, if, if you don't, you're going to end up, I guess, living in a monastery. So, but it's hard to find that balance. Because in here, it's kind of like, where is everybody? Is there anybody? Uh, exactly. You know? Right, right, right. Because that's kind of how life works. It's how life works. Right? And so we see and uh, and the same country. Now this is always uh, but this is more positive. Uh we have the shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. But please note, while this is happening, where are they? Just doing their job. Just doing their job because that's the way life works, right? That's how it happens. Okay, go ahead. Okay, uh, but it, it's—is it to this first coming of Christ, or is it to—is it to uh, it's to his son being born? Right, it's negative. It's ne- but it does demonstrate again what, what's his response here? Yeah. As uh, so, if if we go back, where does this story uh, this narrative begin? Uh, where does it start? Yeah, and and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, please note, literally, an angel of the Lord appears. Right? Okay. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, uh, 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 for for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. But uh, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, neither shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, um, Every even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the uh, uh, disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As Zechariah said unto the Lord, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God and I'm sent to speak unto thee to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Obviously he gets chastised. Now, this is not about the first coming of Christ, but it still represents what kind of attitude doubt, a little bit of confusion, a little bit about what's going on. And let's be honest, when we think about that, supposedly a day is coming, right? A day is coming. Yeah, he's even a priest, right? That even a day is coming. And again, forget your eschatology, but whether you believe in a rapture or whether you just believe in a second coming where Christ is going to return, there's coming a time where everything we know is going to come to an end. Everything that we think is important, everything that we get upset about, we're bothered about, none of it's going to mean anything because it's all going to be over and the creator of everything is going to come back and bring time to an end. That is that, like, that, come on, really? Like, there's a part of us that says what? There's no way that, there's just no way. There's a part of us that doubts that, right? right? Probably, and, and and I know we're we're not supposed to say that, right? I know we're supposed to believe that it's going to happen tomorrow. But there's a part of that deep down, if we're even remotely honest, we don't live our life in light of the fact that Christ could come tomorrow. We live our life in the light of. That tomorrow I'm going to do this and this and this. And then I got to do this. And then I got to pay this bill. And I need to do this. And at some point I'm going to have to replace this. And oh, I'm probably going to need a new car at some point. And then we, we're planning and strategizing and saving. And, and, and we've got all of our ideas. And our idea. And we're not focused on, well, what needs to be done before Christ returns? That's just the reality. And why? Because what is, this is very important. What is inside of us? Our nature is focused on what? Our nature walks by sight. And it's hard to accept something. Have, you, have we ever experienced? We didn't even experience the first coming of Christ, right? We just read about it. Nobody's experienced the second coming. So how can you live in light of something which you've never witnessed, you've never encountered, and you only know it as a theoretical concept, So it, it can lead to a negative thing. So I want so so I know that those those texts don't explicitly say negative things, but it's somewhat interesting that hey, God had to go get the shepherds, right? <laughs> he had to go tell, he had to go hey 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 come with me go there, right? He had to wake them up, right? He had to wake them up. So Advent, in a sense. We're, if you think about it, Advent really is a picture that we're kind of the shepherds, right? We're just kind of out there taking care of the sheep. We're out there doing our thing, right? We're just keeping flock, right? We're just doing our everyday life. And Advent's the time where God's like, hey, hey, remember the first coming? Remember the second? We have four weeks to remember it, right? Four weeks to, to celebrate and remember the first so that we will wake up and remember the second. That's kind of what Advent is about. But even though our nature, and, and, and it's and it, it just, in some ways, it just shows how life works, right? Because as much as we may want to protect that and try to say, I'm going to make these four weeks about Christ and I'm going to make Christmas about Christ, we all know what's going to happen. We're going to be, we're going to be awake. And then we're going to go fall asleep, and we're going to wake up and go, uh, uh, well, Advent's over. And then we're going to open our eyes and go, oh, it's Christmas. We're going to close our eyes, and we're going to be like, Christmas is over. And then it's going to be like, it's 2024, and it's over, right? And, and, and then guess what we fall right back into? Everyday life. And whatever we want to grab from it, it's going to be hard that it has an impact on us, Right? I mean, I wish I could say that I walk by faith and not by sight. I wish I could say that, but I don't. Let's look at a passage. I mean, right there could just be the sermon because I think it's very practical and very to the point. But let's just look at this really quick because I've got a bunch of these written down. Go to 2 Peter because this one captures a lot of the ideas, a lot of the ideas right here in 2 Peter. A lot of things we could talk about, but I just think it's fascinating that Christ is born and nobody shows up, right? It's like, Whoa, what happened? You know, where, where, where Why is no one there? Now in some ways, I don't blame them, but it's very it's very much a picture of this. But look at kind of what happens here, all right? Second Peter chapter three verse one. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. I'll go through these relatively quick. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Everybody there? This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, that, I think that's just a beautiful passage because it kind of tells what... The pastor's job is and what we all need. As Christians, we need to constantly be reminded. What do we need to be reminded of? The words of the prophets. Well, I can tell you this. The prophets pointed to what? Not only the first coming, they point to the second coming. And so there needs to be a time every year, and that's why the early church designed it. Remember, the the advent goes back to Third century, maybe even second century. I mean, that's an early time of celebration, right? It was an early time. And remember what 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 was Advent called early on? Little Lent? Right? Because it was a time of penance. It was a time of repentance. It was a time of, it was a time of it was not so much a celebratory time. It was a much more of a like, hey we got to remember Christ is going to come and judge the living and the dead kind of thing, right? So, but we need to be put in remembrance. So having a season, right? Having a season to go, hey, let's remember the first coming. And why why do we want to so remember the first coming? Because if he came the first time and he fulfilled that promise, then we believe he'll come the second time. And if the first one was fulfilled literally, We believe the second one will be fulfilled literally. That goes with a podcast I've been working on, but we won't go into all of that again. All right, the point is we need to be put in remembrance. Now, what does he go on to say? Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, scoffers. Now, we typically look at scoffers as referencing lost people, right? Right? But what, what is scoffing? What is scoffing? Someone look up the definition for scoffing. We can just look at the English definition of scoffing. If someone wants to look up the Greek word there that's used, we can look that up as well. We can get all the different meanings here. Okay, Stephen's going to look up the English. If someone wants to look up the Greek word there that's translated scoffers, scoffing is is What? Okay, it's mocking, okay, ridicule. What, does the Greek word carry the same idea? A mocker, okay. A derider. False teacher. Okay, all very negative. Now, we may never reach that level where we mock it. We may never reach the level where we ridicule it. But I think we we can be very honest that we may reach the level where we kind of doubt it. Now we may not say we doubt it, right? But everyone understands the difference of, you can say that you don't doubt it, but there's a part of you that lives as if you do doubt it, right? Does that make sense? It's, It's one thing to say, I believe it. There's another thing to live as if, you don't. The same thing, like we believe, we believe a lot of things about God, but I think in our life, we, we kind of demonstrate a little bit of doubt. We're kind of like, wait, 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 wait. You know, it, it happened to Abraham and Sarah. It happened a lot of times in the Bible where these people who hear these great promises of God demonstrated a little bit of doubt because that's, in the, that's our nature. Why? Why is that our nature? Because these promises it, uh, calls us to do what? Accept them by faith because we can't see them. And that's difficult. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, right? Oh, absolutely. John, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For all the people who doubt in the Bible, I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'm saying it's very much like us, right? Yeah, all yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and you think 10 years is a long time. How long have we been waiting for the second coming? 2,000 years. Okay. So you can see why there's a little part of us that may go. We may not mock it. We may not scoff at it. But there's a little part of us that seems to think, you know, I think I'm probably good. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm probably good. It's been 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been two thousand, and how many times have people said this is the year, right? So at some point, but so they're scoffers. What else happens? So you see that next phrase? Walking after their own lust. Now, what do you think that means to walk after your own lust? What is the word lust there in the Greek? What is the word lust there in the Greek? Their own evil desires, okay? Ooh. Longing for that which is forbidden. Yeah, their own. It's your own desire for something that is forbidden. You know why we walk after our own desires for things that are forbidden? Because we, th- this all flows from what? What? A rejection of the fact that Christ is going to come. If Christ isn't going to come back, I mean, come on, just think about it. Come on, let's just be honest. Let's just be let's be painfully honest, painfully honest, right? I don't know how honest we want to be, but like, well, you may not have to say it out loud, right? But think about what you would do if you were 100% just convinced and gar- and you just were certain no one would ever know, and there would never be a negative consequence. What would you do? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, okay. No, wait, I don't want anyone to say it out loud. It would be a lot of things, right? Okay, like, hey, like, hey where did he go? I, I'm, on, I'm on an airplane going somewhere, right? Who knows what I'm going to be doing, right? Who knows, right? I don't know. Okay, well, in a sense, if you don't believe Christ is ever coming back, Then there's a sense that you believe that, and a sense, and we may not state it this way. It's kind of like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, right? And they walk after their own lust. In fact, you can see what kind of leads to it, right? Because what do they say? And look at verse four, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They're like, we have been waiting a long time and he hasn't shown up. So why not pursue my own desire? We pursue our own desires because in practical terms, theoretically, we're going to be like, Christ is going to come back. Amen, amen. But practically, we're kind of like, I don't know. I, don't, I've, I've, I mean, I've told the story a million times, but it, 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 it's only because it, it works for me because I experienced it. I've told the story that when I was gym at gym Ned at Lawn Junior High, right, we had to make these salt models of the Alamo, right? We used toothpicks and salt. And I can't remember all the materials. Were we Our models of the Alamo, right? And so we had brought them all to class. They're all laying around right? The teacher, I think, had already graded them, I think, I can't remember exactly, but they're to grade how well we could develop a model of the Alamo. And then the teacher was like, hey, I got to go somewhere. And he left. And then I don't know who said it. I don't know. Someone said, remember the Alamo. And then they grabbed a part of their model and did what? threw it at someone. And someone was like, remember the Alamo and grabbed their part and threw it at someone. And then the next thing you know, we tipped over our desk and people are throwing and ducking behind the desk and it's just full out blown war. Remember and, and remember the Alamo. And guess what we never thought would happen? We never thought the teacher would come back. Why would we think the teacher would never come back? Why would you think that? Why is it? Is it I don't know. Obviously we were dumb, right? Because guess what happened? The door opened. And you're there, and everybody did this, just like drop it. And like, we don't know what happened, right? But guess what happened to us? Because that was back in the olden days. We got marched to the principal's office, had to grab to the desk and bend over, and we got paddled with a wooden paddle, and it it hurt. And it was humiliating, and it was embarrassing. And guess what? From that point on, we thought, we, we need to make sure that the teacher is definitely not coming back. Because just for a brief time of insanity, a momentary lapse of reason, to name a name of a famous album, all right, to, a momentary lapse of reason, we, we thought, we, we, and sometimes I think we have a momentary lapse of reason in our own way of thinking. And Advent's supposed to be what? Hey, he's coming back. He's coming back. So, when we think of the baby in the manger, we better think of the king on a horse coming back with a sword because that's Revelation 19. Right? Now, I I wish it was that simple, right? I wish it was just like, okay, remember the first coming, and guess what? I will not pursue my own lust. I wish it was that simple. But why am I always going to be tempted to pursue my own lust? It's our nature. And guess what that na- do, do you guess what your nature thinks about the second coming of Christ? <laughs> it's a scoffer. In fact, your nature basically mocks the idea. Now, that nature may not get to your brain where you mock it, but inside, you're kind of like, ah, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe he's coming back, maybe not, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Right? And what what else happens here? Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old. There, there's an ignorance there. Everybody see that? See in verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. There's an ignorance there. Now, sometimes that ignorance, in fact, how is this ignorance described? How is it described? What kind of ignorance? A willing ignorance. And sometimes we are willingly ignorant of it. Right? We forget. And what does he point to to remind them of the second coming? What does he point them to? They're willingly ignorant of what? Well, keep, keep read everything that he points to. He points to a something specific, does he not? The flood. He points them back to a, a literal event to try to prepare them for a future literal event, right? They're willfully ignorant of the flood. Well, Advent is saying, don't be willfully ignorant of the first coming because he's going to come back again. Okay, it's a start. I'll just, I'll read it all. Verse five, for that, for this, they willingly are ignorant of that. that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in water, whereby the word... The world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Everybody see that in verse 6? That's the flood. Everybody, everybody got that? And then look what happens. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, as the world was in a sense kept until the day of the flood, the world is now being kept by the word of God until the day of a flood of fire. So just as the world was destroyed by water, it will be destroyed by fire. Everybody see that? Okay, that's, it's, it's, don't be ignorant. In a sense, don't be ignorant of the past. And there's a time that we just almost are willfully ignorant. Are we not? Look, and here's the problem. The flood is just as much a theological, theoretical concept as the second coming because we have no concept of the, of the flood, do we? None, none. Goes until they were gone, right? But they, they ignored the warnings, did they not? Even though they were warned. And why, why do you think they ignored the warnings? Because it was a crazy concept. So it's so easy for us to fall into this trap. I, look, I wish I had some secret answer here. I wish I could tell you, hey, you know what? Come Advent, you know, have you an advent wreath, and light the candles and do the scripture reading and, and do the lectionary and, and guess what? By the end of four weeks, it'll be like, dun, 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 I'm prepared for the second coming. Right? Well, the reality is at the end of four weeks, guess what? will still be dominating your life. And I know I can't say that because lordship people will get mad at me, but guess what? will still be dominating your life, your sinful nature. And you know why I, I know I'm going to say it dominates your life? Because unless you can be sinless, it's dominating your life because it's keeping you from being sinless. And the thing that's keeping me from doing something is the thing that is dominating. I I know I can't say that because lordship people will be like, "Ah, no, no. But what, what can they never show me? They can never show me that they can be sinless. So until they can be sinless, I'm going to say, the thing keeping me from being sinless is the thing that's dominating me. And the thing that's dominating me is a sinful nature. And guess what the nature is? The nature is, look at life from what perspective? A fleshly perspective, a material perspective. Look at life from that perspective. And guess, what do you think, what dominates your feelings? I don't know about you. Sometimes what dominates my feelings most are feelings about something that is Earthly, fleshly, material. I don't know if my feelings are typically dominated by one day Christ will return. One day Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. One day Christ will sit upon a throne and rule and reign in Jerusalem. One day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And one day all things will be come to an end and for His glory and honor. I can say those words, but I don't think they dominate my My feelings or my emotions, they may for a moment. I think we probably all experience times in our Christian life where we may be overwhelmed with a sense of the spiritual. It may be during a revival meeting. It may be during a time of devotion. It may be even for a couple of weeks in your Christian life. But typically it all fades because what comes crawling back? The nature that says what? Stop worrying heaven. Heaven. Stop worrying about heaven. Look here, look here, look here, look here, look here. Because it is hard to walk by faith where you're like, okay, there's God, there's Christ sitting at the right hand. And one day he's going to come and all things will find their fulfillment and consummate. they, they will be consummated in him. It's hard to believe that, is it not? I know it, but it's hard to believe it. Correct. All right. Now, maybe we have time, maybe for one more. Maybe we have time for one more passage. There's, may, there's, there's so many to look at. I've got so many here, but I found one earlier. Let's see if I can find it. I found one earlier because I've been working on this because this is the assignment I gave everyone on the podcast. So I've been working on this and I told everyone to find all the positives and all the negatives. Kind of attitudes and things that we should have towards the Word of God. Let's see if I can find this one. Here we go. Look at, uh, I believe it's Luke 21. Now, this one, I want, this one I think more relates to 70 AD, but we won't get into all of those issues. I believe it's Luke 21. I could be wrong. Luke 21. All right. Oh, there's so much we could talk about here. Oh, so much we could talk about here. Okay. Um, uh, how, where, which ones do I want to read here? Uh, we'll just go to, we'll go to verse 27. All right. All right. We'll go to Luke 21:27. Now, a lot of this is by, listen, there's no question. A lot of this is about 70 A.D. All right, but things kind of take a turn here because in Luke 21, 27, we read, and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That seems to me, I know preterists will say that's referring to 70 AD and it means Christ came symbolically in judgment in 70 AD. We disagree, we think that that's where the text has to leave 70 AD because that sounds like he's coming back, right? And then what does it say? And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Then he spoke a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. There seems to be, there, he says, there's things to look to, right? There's things to pay attention for. So you know that it's coming. Now, primarily this is reference to what? 70 AD, but we believe it also has some references possibly to the second coming. And then look what he says here. Verily I shall say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Please note Luke 21, 32. Everyone see that verse? That is the key verse for preterism. Everybody see that? That's that's the preterist verse, okay? Okay. If you want to know what verse, because every system of theology typically has a verse, that's the preterist verse, okay? And you can see why, right? Because it says everything's going to happen for that generation. Uh, If if you don't understand that, that generation is long gone. Everybody got that? Okay. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Look at verse 34. And take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with... Everyone see the next word in the King James? What word is that? Surfeiting. What in the world is surfeiting? Let's figure out what surfeiting is. What does the NIV says? Because I know it doesn't say surfeiting. Verse 34... You're... Okay, it's gonna. Your for what's the word they use? Dispos. Di- what? Where is it? Oh, the very first one. Dissipation. Dissipation. Okay, that not. That's not super helpful either. Dissipation. dissipation. What's surfeiting? okay okay all right so that's kind of like okay that's okay that's kind of like drunkenness here's how one translation has it are you well this has dispensation and drunkenness this one uses the word drunkenness the bottom line is what it's saying here think about it this way okay what do you say let's look at it this way because i think this will help us all right Let's go with this. I'm gonna do it this way. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged, charged with surfeiting and drunkenness. Now it seems to be repetitive if surfeiting is referring to drunkenness. It seems to be maybe it's the headache from drunkenness. But the point is what is he telling you to be careful of? Don't allow yourself to be what? Overcome by things of this life whether it's drunkenness, whether it's the negative consequences from drug, drunkenness. Don't do that. In fact, what does he go on to say? Don't be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life so that the day comes upon unawares. What can cause you to miss the day? Now, I think a lot of this is referenced to 70 AD. Let me say that again. But clearly some of this, I think, goes way past it. What is something that can cause us to be blinded to the coming? The cares of this world. The cares of this world. And is it not easy for the cares of this world? Because what are the cares of this world? They are material. They're practical. They're tangible. They're real. We feel them. We experience them. What is the second coming? Theoretical. Almost mythical. Mystical. Mysterious. Not tangible. Can't touch it right? Oh, I can think about it, read about it. You can put it in a movie. You can put it in a song, but it's all just fantasy. What's real? What's real is in a minute, I'm going to say we're done and we're all going to go home. And what's real is then at that point, we're going to feel desire, need, whatever. That's real. And guess what? I'm going to forget about probably 15 minutes from now. The second coming. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a pastor, but I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I, you know what I'm going to think about here as soon as I'm done? What am I going to eat? Because I haven't eaten anything today, right? Okay, I'm starving, right? So what am I going to eat? That's what I'm going to think. I'm going to go find food. And then guess what I may do? I may watch a TV show, okay? I may I may. I may be thinking of an awesome burrito. Who knows, right? I'm going to forget about it. And then when I wake up tomorrow, oh, I have a medical appointment. I'll, I'll, go, to a, I'll go to an appointment. Okay, that, all right. I, Guess what? The cares of this world will just kick in, right? And then it's going to be like, okay, well, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and, to, and, and you just start thinking about everyday life. And guess where, where's the second coming is going to register in my brain? Somewhere, right? Uh, until I have to go, oh, Sunday, it's the first Sunday of Advent. I got to preach about something about it again, right? I gotta, and, and then we'll, I'll try to get you to think about it, and then where will you be by Sunday afternoon? back to the world. It's so hard to do. And I wish that there was some secret. But I know this, when we, just as the first coming was missed by many, or even had a negative attitude towards, we can, have, we can miss it and we can have a negative attitude towards it. Because if we really want to know The only thing we care about is what's coming into my life tomorrow to make my life better or to make me happy or to fulfill me or to give me the desires that I want. I'm not really thinking about if Christ may or may not come back because there's a high probability, I know I'm not supposed to say this, there's a high probability that I'm going to meet a hospital bed and death before I meet Christ coming in the air. I know I'm not supposed to say that, okay? But that's the way we feel. Now, I know we're supposed to be, Christ could come at any time. It's great to say that. And I know theoretically that may be true. But practically, I'm just going to be honest with you, I feel that I'm going to meet death before I experience that. Would I love to experience that? Wouldn't that be great? I could skip the death part? Because who knows how I'm going to die? It can probably be painful. Right? It's going to be horrible. It could be a horrible disease. It could be cancer. It could be a horrible accident where I lay there and bleed out for 30 minutes suffering. Right? It could be something horrible. It could be because of a seizure. It could be who knows? I could be shot. I burn up. Who knows? Every way. Drown. It's all horrible. I would like to think all oh, the other is going to happen. But we don't think that way. And, I, and because we don't feel that way, I think there's negative spiritual consequences. Because I I can't speak for you, right? And I'll just end with this. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I'm kind of like 2,000 years? You know how many children have starved to death? You know how many children have been molested? You know how many murders have happened? You know how many wars have happened? You know how many unanswered prayers? When I say unanswered, meaning not in the affirmative. You know you know how in 2022, in 2022, 49,000 people committed suicide in 2022 alone. Record number, 49,000 people killed themselves. That's 2022, a record. Now that's 49,000 plus, but I'm just rounding it down to 49,000. I've got the number written down somewhere. That's That's horrible. So there's a part of me that's like, hey, do you think maybe you could speed this along? I know I'm not supposed to say that. And then when you start thinking about that, then you have an attitude of what? I'm not so worried that tomorrow he's going to show up. Right? So then that gets me then in a frame of mind that's much more materialistic where I'm walking by sight and not by faith. I wish I could walk by faith. I wish I could so walk by faith that I'm like, that's where I'm focused. But we see even biblical characters who walked by sight and not by faith multiple times, right? Abraham and Sarah didn't start off so good, did they? No, over and over and over, they messed up. Over and over and over and over and over. And you know why? Because it's hard not to do that. Because our nature says, hey, look at what's in front of you stop with this fantasy stuff that's some fantasy that's like make-believe the reality is like here's what you have in life here's what you don't have don't you wish you had it don't you wish you could experience don't you want this don't you want that it's kind of like in the pilgrim's progress if anyone's read that book remember when he's walking through the market and everyone's like over here buy this buy this buy this buy this Buy this. And it's symbolic of the Christian walking through life and the world of saying what? Here, look here, buy this, buy this. And we're supposed to kind of plug our ears and do what? No, 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 I'm going to the heavenly city. I'm going to the heavenly city. Well, it's hard to do that. And isn't it weird that if you think about it, 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 it's it, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that the season where we're supposed to be focused on the second coming And the first, we're supposed to remember the first coming so we can prepare ourselves for the second coming is the exact same season that's all about getting material things. Is that not kind of ironic? Because I can't speak for you. Maybe because of things that happened to me when I was young, but I kind of always kind of hope that when it gets around Christmas time, I always want to get myself something because I kind of like, I like that feeling that it's Christmas and, oh, I'm going to get this or I'm going to get this. Or, you know, hey, maybe maybe I'll get a check and I can do something with, I like that feeling. And I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor and I'm still the one who'll be like, man, sure wish maybe I'll get a check this year and I'll get myself this or get myself that. Because I'm more preoccupied with the material. Even though it's the season that I'm supposed to be like, first and second coming it's so it's almost diabolical the way that the season that we're supposed to be remembering the first and the second coming we're preoccupied with family food feasting right isn't it crazy of all the things that we focus on during that time now i'm not saying those things are bad but it is it just kind of you can see that we we struggle with it right all I need is my Bible and to remember the second and first coming of Christ and I'm happy. No, well, there's a lot of other things we like at this time of year. And I don't know how we balance that out. If you figure it out, write a book and you'll be rich, okay? Right. Wait, wait, that's kind of convenient. Be, you'll be rich, right? You'll get a material thing. You'll get a material thing, right? It's funny because yesterday was uh, Giving Tuesday. So ministries everywhere were asking for money and the version Bible app Yesterday, they received $2 million in donations. I'm like, man, I, gotta, I need to figure out how to do better in my asking for money on the podcast because they got $2 million in one day? Well, that's great. That's awesome for them. But once again, it just shows how we live in a world that's ruled by what? Material things. Because... That they need money to run their ministry. I mean, they do. I don't know if they need two million, but they, they they need money to run their ministry, right? And it just we're so bogged down into that. But let's let's stop, Lord God. We come for you this evening, Lord. There is plenty plenty of scriptures that point to us and tell us to to have a certain attitude and action as it relates to the second coming of your Son. Lord, to be honest, most of the time I think we demonstrate the negative and not the positive. Pray that over the next couple of weeks, we would take the time to consider the negative and the positive attitudes and actions that your word speaks of in regards to the coming of your son. Forgive us for the negative ones. Help us develop a more positive attitude and actions about the first and second coming. And I pray that we will benefit from doing that by the time Advent is over. Forgive us. Thank you for sending your son, and it's in his name we pray. And God's people said,